You're listening to The Other Connor Podcast, a part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Here's your host, Connor Halley. Hello, Oilers fans. Thank you once again for tuning in to The Other Connor Podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Connor Halley. Give me a follow on Twitter at Connor Halley. Before we get to the show today, got to thank our sponsor, DraftKings. Everyone's favorite time of the year is right around the corner. College football season to celebrate DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is putting new players in the center of the action with $200 in free bets instantly if you bet $1 or more on any college football game. Take advantage of this limited-time offer now. You heard right. DraftKings is giving all new players $200 in free bets instantly when you place a bet of a dollar or more on any college football game, no matter what. Head to the DraftKings Sportsbook app now to check out all the great promotions and daily odds boost they're offering. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, located right here in the United States, so it's easy to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any college football game. That's promo code THPN to get your free $200 in free bets instantly for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. New Jersey, Indiana, Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Once again, thank you guys so much for tuning in to the Other Connor Podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Connor Halley. As I mentioned before, you can give me a follow on Twitter at Connor Halley. And we got a great show coming up for you today. We're going to talk to Alan Mitchell from the Lowdown with Low Tide on TSN 1260. He also, of course, writes at The Athletic. You can give him a follow on Twitter at Low Tide. We'll talk all things Edmonton Oilers, some drafts, some free agency, potential lineup notes, all sorts of things with Alan Mitchell from the Lowdown with Low Tide later on in the show. We'll also talk to Helene St. James. She, of course, covers the Detroit Red Wings for the Detroit Free Press. Does a great job doing that. You can give her a follow on Twitter as well, at Helene St. James. And that's because the Oilers signed someone. Brandon Perlini. He's actually been out of the NHL for a year, but his last NHL spot was with the Detroit Red Wings, where he played in 39 games in the 2019-2020 season. He had one goal, four points, 10 pims, and was a minus 18. Granted, that was not on a very good team in Detroit, but uh, we're going to get her thoughts on Brandon Perlini and what he can potentially offer the Edmonton Oilers going forward. He signed a one-year deal, $750,000. There's a high likelihood that he never plays for the Oilers and he's down in Bakersfield. But we'll get her thoughts on the contract. And for those who don't know much about Perlini, he was very highly touted coming out of junior. He played for the Niagara Ice Dogs, had a 34-goal season, a 26-goal season, and a 25-goal season. He represented Canada at the World Junior Tournament. Playing with the Arizona Coyotes in only his first season with the team, he scored 14 goals in 57 games. The next season, he scored 17 goals in 74 games before being shipped to the Chicago Blackhawks, where he scored 12 goals in 46 games, but that's where it kind of went downhill. He only played one game with the Blackhawks in 2019-2020 before he was shipped to Detroit. And uh, like I said, one goal, four points, obviously not a whole lot of success, but there wasn't a lot of success on that team. So maybe, just maybe, Ken Holland can uh, find a little bit of a diamond in the rough here. It's very low risk, could be a high reward, could be a, a medium reward. We'll see if he cracks the lineup, but that is one thing the Edmonton Oilers have done since the last time we spoke. Like I said, we'll talk to Helene St. James about that one. The bigger news, though, of course, the Oilers on Friday signing Darnell Nurse to a contract extension. And uh, 
as we assumed when we saw the Seth Jones and Zach Warinski contracts, uh, Darnell Nurse's number was probably going to come in around $9 million. We found out it's 9.25 for eight years for the longtime Oilers defenseman. First things first, congratulations to Darnell Nurse for getting that contract. He's continually progressed. He bet on himself, took that bridge deal, and now it's paying off. He's going to be with the Edmonton Oilers for at least the next nine years. This contract kicks in in 2022-2023. He's got the no-movement clause. So the Edmonton Oilers locking up a guy who's going to be a big part of their future. We all saw the big strides that he took this past season. Of course, 16 goals in 56 games. He finished with 36 points, and they weren't garbage goals. He actually was scoring some pretty nice goals. He's someone that can be on the PK, the power play, 5-on-5, 4-on-4, 3-on-3 in overtime if need be. I think this is a good move for the Edmonton Oilers. The cost is a little bit high, but potentially, just potentially, maybe the salary cap will start to go up again and uh, it won't be quite as uh, quite as high of a percentage of the team's overall salary cap. But now the Oilers, you know, locking up another key member of their core to go along with Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. But let's get right into our guest. I had a chance to talk to Alan Mitchell. He is the host of the Lowdown with Low Tide on TSN 1260. He also writes at The Athletic. You can also give him a follow on Twitter at Low Tide. Al, thanks a lot for doing this today. How are you doing? I'm very well. Appreciate you having me on. I appreciate you being willing to come on and talk about it. Uh, the summer uh, kind of uh, slows down a little bit long, and I brought you on to talk about Brendan Perlini for at least 20 minutes. Is that okay? <laughs> That's fine. He's not my cousin or anything, but I'll fill. You know, <laughs> actually, we will get to Perlini later on in the this little conversation. It's it's not the top priority, but who knows? It could be a sneaky good contract, uh, maybe by the end of the next season, and we'll see what happens from there. Obviously, he was a highly touted player, but let's start off with Darnell Nurse and uh, big news over the weekend. Of course, he signs an extension with the Oilers. He's going to be here for a long time with a cap hit of nine point two five million dollars. What were your initial thoughts when you saw that contract? Well, I, I, you know what, it, it, whenever, whenever I would hear the Darnell Nurse contract for about the last month, it seemed like there was another two hundred and fifty grand tacked onto it, right? So it started out it was going to be oh, low eights, and then <laughs> then it was like eight eight point five, and so I thought, well, you know, we'll see where this lands, and then. I think it was Rashog who had like the the number nine, and I thought, well, now that we're there, we're, we're probably looking at a Seth Jones, uh, Zach Wierenski kind of a deal. And look, I, I really believe my theory here is that they expanded by one team. That one team took seven or eight defensemen out of the pool, and and that mean every, meant every NHL team that was looking for a defender was scrambling. And, and I think it's reflected in what we've what we've seen, and the Oilers. You know, quite frankly, and it's not their fault. It's just their responsibility. Losing Oscar Kleppbaum increased the value of Darnell Nurse several fold because you need that guy. You need the the foundation piece. And and you know, I know people will argue whether or not he's a top number one uh, defenseman or whatever. He's their guy who's going to play twenty five minutes on the nights somebody has to play twenty five minutes. So getting him under contract, I'm th- sure that Ken Holland feels like that's you know the route to go. And and they're they're going to have to make up for it at other spots in the roster that they deem less important, and and that's what NHL teams do now. So it's it's a lot. It's it's an overpay based on what we knew three months ago. But the market is changing, and the the really good players are getting paid more, and everybody else is getting paid less. 
Yeah, I mean, the second Seth Jones got his deal in Zach Wierenski, I kind of thought, okay, the number is going to be nine, and uh, it's just that's how it's going to be. You got to pay to keep these guys with the team, and I, I'm happy for Darnell. I mean, a guy who came in, he was drafted here, he's worked his way up, he's continually progressed. How much better do you think he can be? Like last year, he was he was just outstanding for the Oilers. Uh, you know, jumping into the rush, scoring goals. We know what he can do defensively, but I mean, how much how much room is there before you get to the ceiling? Well, Nurse is a funny guy. There's two things about him that I think are are important to the conversation. One is that he's a really good skater. So when people say, you know, he's late 20s, he's going to get up there <clears throat> into his 30s, and that's where Eric Carlson and, and Shea Weber slowed down, we have to remember that he's he's a great skater. Like, he's, he's a fantastic skater. And when your legs go, you have a tendency to, to, to the, the clock starts ticking. Well, he's, got, he's, he's really a great skater. He's, he's a tremendous athlete. So from that point of view, I don't think this is going to be a terrible investment, and I don't think they're going to be regretting it three years from now. The other side of it is he's improved in areas that, that you sometimes don't see players improve at that age, where he was always a good transporter of the puck, uh, but he would transport the puck into the offensive zone and shoot, he'd just grip it and rip it, and, and often would either you know sail it over the net or hit the crest of the goalie. He's done he's done two things to really improve his play. Number one, his passes are, are um, they're tape to tape, and they're they they they've got enough weight on them for the the receiver to be able to handle them. That's improved over the years. And the other thing he's done is he puts himself into better scoring positions and he's learning to, to not learning but he's taking the time to pick his spots where where he's he's kind of got calm feet now offensively where he'll he'll you know line up and he'll wait on the goalie and he'll make the goalie think and then he'll he'll rip it shelf and he he was highly successful that I don't know that he'll ever be as successful in any year uh, moving forward as he was this past year but there's a lot about Darnell Nurse's game that has improved and part of it is he's just worked to make it you know better and he's also really calmed down he's he's found some an extra minute or an extra second that, that he can make a play, and he's found that he can do that, and he's not under any uh, uh, pressure. And, and that's a skill play. Like, all of those things are skill plays. So he's gotten better. He's a far better player than he was in the first two or three years of his career. And what an athlete. I mean, that Game 4 performance against the Jets, obviously not the outcome they would have wanted, but uh, he, he showed you that he works on cardio, apparently. Yeah, and he's always been. I remember... Uh, reading his GM in uh, in junior was Kyle Dubas, who's now Toronto Maple Leafs GM, and and he talked about that he played half the game in junior. You know, he just is one of those players who, who you know, if he is fatigued, it's after the after the game, not during. And and that's just you know, there are just some people who are very like you know blessed physically, and he happens to be one of them, genetically speaking. I mean, you know, look at the list of his relatives who played at a very, very high level, and and that's that just is. That's part of it. Genetics are a part of it. Well, do you remember the... Well, oh, I don't know if I should say this. There's reports that in the Super Bowl, his uncle Donovan was a little fatigued towards the end of the game, and... I didn't even mean to bring that up as a shot or anything. As if the listeners don't know, you're an Eagles fan. I've yeah, I've just dug that. myself into a deep hole. I don't know if I can recover <laughs> from this one, but uh, <laughs> my apologies. I, I swear I'll edit it out. Oh, it's, <laughs> it's over now. It's oh. yeah. Hey, uh, the, the day my team makes it to a Super Bowl, maybe I'll uh, uh, you know I, I I would be willing to let you laugh at my team if they ever make a Super Bowl, which I don't think they ever will. Um, 
Now, his partner, Tyson Berry, do you think that's the ideal top pairing for the Edmonton Oilers? Uh, or do you think maybe even the span of Tyson Berry's contract that Evan Bouchard could hop up and be that number one guy? That's a great question, and I think it's possible. Uh, and I think that there's, you know, there's probably room for that to happen. Uh, certainly, if Bouchard does, then that makes, you know, changes the 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 uh, equation a little bit. I think initially Barry will be the guy, certainly for this year. And and one thing that that Tippett did do, and I think will do, it, during the game late, if they're up by a goal, he would often. Uh, check out Barry and put in either Ethan Bear or Adam Larson. And I don't know who that's going to be. It might be Cody Cece. I'm not sure who would be the, the, the player who would come in with Nurse and play those shutdown minutes in the last you know couple of minutes of a, of a game. But I think they'll be searching for that a little bit. But Barry and Nurse, you know, as outlet passers and as guys who can jump into the play and, and Nurse can cover uh, for Barry, they're, you know, they're, they're, they're 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 not the ideal set because both of them have a little more offense than defense, but but it works and it worked last year and they they scored a ton of goals uh, at five on five. So I'm sure we'll see more of that this year. After that, maybe Bouchard slides up. Alan Mitchell, the host of the Lowdown with Low Tide, joining me here on the Other Connor podcast. Uh, Al Stewart Skinner also signing a two-year deal, two-way contract. Uh, 22 years old, but he might have some more competition in Bakersfield this year with Ilya Konovalov coming over, joining the Bakersfield Condors, we assume. I mean, going back to last year, and I, I had uh, Ryan Holt on the show a lot, the voice of the Condors. I, I know you have him on the, the Lowdown as well. And he kept telling me about how Stuart Skinner was just progressing and getting better and more comfortable. Now this year, you're throwing some competition his way. What do you think it's going to look like when it comes to games played? Do you think it could be a 50-50 split? Do you think one guy could potentially steal the job? How do you think it works out for the Oilers' AHL affiliate between the pipes? I think initially, probably going in, uh, Skinner is probably going to be one, like the number one guy. But it won't take long. Like they're they're going to they'll both play, uh, and and at some point in time, the you know whoever is is dominating will get the the lion's share of it. I'm sure. Uh, Konovalov is a really good goal. He's a small goaltender. Skinner's a bigger man, and and I think it's good competition. It's it's the kind of thing that uh, Ken Holland had quite often uh, in Grand Rapids with the Griffins, the AHL farm team in Detroit, he would have, you know, two goaltenders and four defensemen and a bunch of forwards, and they'd all be in competition with each other. And, and usually they'd incubate down there for a couple of years, then come up. And I think that's that probably benefits Skinner over Konovalov in terms of starting and in terms of recalls. They're just more familiar with him in the organization, and they have a better idea about him. Al, looking at some of the other players that will be starting off this season down in Bakersfield, and maybe it is Dylan Holloway, maybe it's Lavoie, who knows, could be Benson or Marodi. Which one of those guys do you think has the the most likelihood of jumping up and, and becoming a contributor for the Oilers this next season? Well, I think I think Benson is right there, and and you know he he's he needs a shot. He needs he needs to come in and have a really good camp, and if he does, I think they'll. I think he'll make the team. They they have a bit of a um, waiver issue with Benson. He, if he gets sent down, he's on waivers, and maybe he doesn't get picked up. But you you don't have to risk that with a Holloway, uh, and that gives you an advantage. And and with the other players, 
they've already cleared waivers previously in previous years. So Benson would be the like the new fresh player who would be available. And sometimes teams have their eyes on a player for some time, and you try waivers on them, and you don't get them through. I remember. Uh, hearing years and years ago, the Oilers were very close to putting Brandon Davidson on, on waivers, uh, his first year eligible, and right, like, you know, not long before the, it, the time came to put him on, they put somebody else on waivers because they were concerned about it, and afterwards, there, there were strong rumors that, that he would have been picked up, so it's, it's, a, it's a difficult decision. Benson has to have a good camp, but if he does, I think because of the waiver situation, that probably gives him an edge. We had uh, Rashog on today with Jason Strudwick, who's filling in on the Jason Greger show, and he talked about Benson. Uh, he took part in kind of a promo video for the Edmonton Elks, and uh, he said he just looked kind of different, like he's maturing. And we all know, you know, he's he's got the brain, he's got the the hands. We think the foot speed is what we're going to wait and see. But you know, what kind of NHL player do you think he could project to be? Is he a guy who's going to be that hard worker in the bottom six, or do you think there's more upside there? Well, I, th- I think he, I-, I think he can do a lot of different things. So my answer is both, which is a terrible answer. But I think he'll get, you know, third, fourth line minutes. But he's an excellent passer. He can win pucks along the wall. He can see things happen, and and like he is, uh, his skill is to pass the puck. Like he is so good at it, and and he. He finds seams with the puck. He has a touch on his passes, and and if he ever gets a, a shot, uh, I can see him moving up to to play on a, a higher line because of that. And and the Oilers have done a really good job of adding skill into their bottom six with Derek Ryan and Warren Fogle this year. And Benson could be a part of that. I don't know where he'll land, but if he does, they'll be impressed with his passing ability. And and you know the the other uh, line mates on his line will get chances because. Of it, he's a great passer. Al, uh, it's been a little while since you've been on the podcast. What did you make of the Oilers' draft? I liked it. I, I really liked their first round pick. Uh, Borgo is a. I don't think people are overly familiar from because he's from the Quebec League, but uh, he is. He, he's not a, 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 a high volume shooter, but he's a very accurate shooter. His uh, shooting percentage, I think, in the last two years on the queue is like twenty percent, which is really high. Uh, he, he's very skilled. Uh, he can move the puck, pass the puck. He can check. He's he's a two hundred foot guy. He's a little bit of a. Um, I wouldn't say agitator, but he. He gets uh, the other team off their game with his ability to check. Uh, I really like the pick. I think it, it's another uh, high skill guy who, you know, basically the Oilers have been lining up potential wingers for McDavid since they drafted him. But this guy could play center or wing, and, and he has a real nice two-way ability, too. There's a lot of ways he can make the NHL. The Oilers did trade down to, to make that selection. Had they not traded down, Jesper Wallstedt was there. Do you think they're – I mean – Hindsight's twenty twenty. We'll find out in a few years. But if you were making that pick, would you have taken the the top goaltender prospect or one of the top two? I would have taken the I would have taken a forward, probably the guy they got. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like the, one of the Russians too. But the I, I think Borgo is is you're, you're not going to get that many chances during the McDavid era, certainly to draft pure skill forward, and he's that. Now, the other thing I will tell you that just logic and reason tell me. Two organizations uh, who are run by by people who know Sweden really well 
uh, Detroit, who picked Sebastian Cosa of the Edmonton Oil Kings, and the Oilers, uh, run by Ken Holland, passed on Wallstead. So I'm not sure what that tells us, but I, I would say that I, I do trust the the uh, the Oilers and certainly the Red Wings with uh, names coming out of Sweden. If they took Borgo, I'm I'm certain they they would have known who Minnesota was going to take. I think they, they had a higher value on them, and that's all you can ask. And just to confirm here, you said you would have taken Borgo at 20? I would have taken I would have taken uh, Borgo, or there's a there was a Russian winger who I I, th- I think is going to be a really good player as well. Borgo was I had him 14 on my list. Okay, well, I mean, hey, if you if you were going to take him earlier and you trade down and still got him, then then I like that move. And I mean, there was a lot of Oilers fans out there when Cole Caulfield went on his little hot streak there, talking about how the Oilers could have had him and instead took Philip Broberg, who we haven't even seen in the NHL yet. Well. Now they do take a skilled player, and some people still want to be critical. So you're not going to please everyone, but, I mean, if he's in the NHL in a couple of years, that's going to be a huge win. Yeah, and, and you know, things happen, and I think we, as, as observers of the of the team and certainly fans, you forget that, that injuries occur, uh, there, there's, there's things along the way that, that sometimes slow down progress. Uh, I, Broberg is a funny guy. He, he, he looks better, plays better, and I think is closer to the NHL than he is when he's in Sweden. For some reason, the big ice, which should benefit him because he's a great skater, doesn't seem to allow him to play his game. And I think it might be something to do with the pace of the Swedish game where it's, it's, there's a lot of dump and chase. Uh, Broberg, I, I, when he played World Juniors here and when he also played in the Halinka, he just looked far more dynamic. And I remember in the bubble during uh, the period where they were getting ready, uh, what, two years ago now, uh, the, the, the reviews on him were that he was very impressive and he moved the puck well and skated well. I think we'll see that guy this year. I think people will be impressed. Yeah, well, okay, so I want to ask you about Jay Fresh Hockey on Twitter. Um, you know way more about stats and analytics than I do, and uh, I think a lot of Oilers fans were kind of thrown off when he had to release that graphic saying, you know, 50-50 chance he's an NHL player, 3% chance he's a star player. When he, when he releases those uh, those graphics, like what goes into that? Uh, and I mean, do you buy into that, that we're looking at Philip Broberg and saying this is a 50-50 shot, he's an NHLer? I think any uh, any um, buddy who does that kind of work, you're looking at comparables, and and the Swedish league is tough because you you, you don't have a lot of information. You got a lot more, say, in the the Quebec league or, or the Western Hockey League, and most of those uh, uh, comparables. If the guy's a forward and he scores well, it's easy to find where he would land. Defensemen are, are difficult, especially defensemen who don't post a lot of offensive numbers and Broberg didn't he, he's this past year he's he's posted more but it's really defense is the hardest position to project because of that because forwards you're worried mostly about the points right but on defense a lot of it is you know, if they have success, nothing happens. <laughs> you know, look, the puck doesn't go in the net. Great, but you know, you know, unless you're measuring that specific thing. So, uh, I think I think most people who do those models would would agree that that's the difficult. A guy like Broberg's the toughest player to 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 rate. And and I will tell you this: the 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 comparable I have for Broberg all down the line has been Oscar Kleppbaum, and they're a pretty good match for each other. <laughs> 
Okay, okay. I, I I just had to ask you that. And I, w- I wasn't planning on it, but it kind of just came to my mind. And I remember seeing the the fifty fifty thing, and I thought that that can't be right. Like, I will bet a lot of money that he plays in the NHL on a consistent basis. But yeah, I had to ask you about that one. Now, the big question today, of course, Brendan Perlini signing with the Oilers, one year, two way deal. Heard, uh Strutty brought it up on the show today. He set the over under at nine and a half games. What are you taking there? Is he is he playing ten games or more, or are we just never going to see this guy? Strutty's really getting into this gambling thing, isn't he? I mean, everything's like that, you know. He dabbles, he says. <laughs> he told me uh, the other day. He said, uh, "Under six minutes to get to my car, Al. What do you think?" And I'm like, "Come on, man. you know." Uh, I will say this. He said nine games, nine and a half, and he thinks it's under. That's a, that's a really interesting total. Uh, I'll say over. And here's the reason why. Perlini, in his last half a year or so with the Red Wings before, like in 1920, he didn't show a lot. And then this past year he was in, I believe, Switzerland. And he scored well, as well as you would expect. They were not a very good team. and But he, you know, he posted some good offensive numbers while they were getting scored on you know, quite a lot. And so... When he comes here, he's going to show that he's got very good speed. He's got a terrific shot. Uh, he's he's not a consistent player, uh, and he's not a, a terrific two-way guy. Uh, and and those things, some of those things are going to benefit, and some won't. Where I, where I see it, him getting a recall or getting an opportunity is in the in the period of the season where they've tried players and they've either gotten hurt or it's not working. I think he'd be an early recall for two reasons. Number Number one, uh, Dave Tippett has coached him before, and he knows what what he can do. And number two, uh, the nature of this team is going to be there's going to be a lot of offense on this team, and he has scored three years uh, in a row. He scored pretty well in the NHL with Arizona, and then I think he went to Chicago. So there's an offensive ability for him, and and I think he might be one of the early recalls, certainly on the wing, if he does go down to Bakersfield. And so for that reason alone, I think ten. Is is maybe or nine and a half is a little low, so I'll say over just to be uh, just to be opposite of Strutty. Yeah, I mean, and he's intriguing, like you said, uh, with the Coyotes, he had fourteen goals. Then following that year, seventeen. Uh, then he goes to the Blackhawks, and he's he's acquired there and scores twelve goals in only forty six games. So you know, I kind of think you know he's got that upside, like you said, the Oilers factor to be a team that's going to put up a lot of points and score goals. Maybe he could slot in there, and I think motivation's got to be a factor. Coming off of Detroit, uh, we're going to have Elaine St. James on the podcast uh, coming up next here, and uh, she said he, you know, kind of invisible in Detroit, and when he signed with Switzerland, it, it wasn't a big surprise because she didn't think any NHL teams would be that interested in him. So, I mean, I, I don't know how you measure it, but I, I think there's got to be a little, a little bit of uh, motivation there to to prove you're not that guy you saw in Detroit. And he can be an NHL player, especially the track record, a uh, uh, former 12th overall pick. There's got to be some motivating factors there. Oh, sure. And he's on, this is his fourth NHL team. And first round picks always get a second chance, always. But, you know, the fourth NHL team, you, you don't make that team, and, and maybe things are looking a little, a little more drastic. He had, the, the thing about Perlini is he's an impressive looking player. He skates well, he's a bigger man, uh, he's got a great shot. So there, there are things in his game when you're just watching him, you, you, you would notice about him. The problem is that he, he doesn't, uh, you know, he's not touching the puck enough, he's not making a difference enough. He's not impacting the game enough. And and based on his first three years, that is a surprise. 
Al, with the additions that the Oilers have made this offseason, I mean, there's a lot of versatility in the forward group right now, and obviously Nugent Hopkins can play on the wing, you can throw him at center, Zach Hyman can be thrown around there as well, uh, Warren Fogle will kind of wait, wait and see, but there's a lot of potential moving pieces. Uh, if you were to put together your mock top nine right now, uh, we'll run through it, but what would be your uh, your ideal number one line to start the season? I think you. I don't think you uh, try to to mix up too much to begin with. So I would put uh, Hyman at left wing, McDavid at center, and yes, I'll pull Yarby on right wing. I, uh, I think there's a lot of different ways you can go, but that's how I'd start. And then with your second unit, are you going to bring back the the dry line or whatever you want to call it with Nugent Hopkins left, dry sidle centering, and Kyler Yamamoto on the right side? Yeah, I would, and, and I, I would say this that that uh, I think Yamamoto would be. Uh, you know, he would probably be the first player off of the top six if he didn't perform. I think he's got maybe a little bit shorter rope than the rest of the group, and and that's only because I mean he, he does everything well in terms of forechecking, and he's a smart player. But he didn't score much in the second half of the year, and and if you're going to you know take that that prime real estate, you have to be able to put the puck in the net. So there'll be some pressure on him this fall. So if Kyler Yamamoto were to slide down, and to me, I've said it for a while here, I think if that's the case, I mean, it's probably a good sign that your team has that depth and you can move him down. And I think he'd be an unreal third-line winger if that were the case. But who would jump into the second-line spot? Well, it, it, there's a couple of things that they could do. I've been thinking about this. And one thing that they might do, consider doing, is moving Hyman over to right wing on McDavid's line, moving Pogliarvi down to the second line, Yamamoto to the third line, and then moving uh, uh, Warren Fogel up to McDavid's line. Now, he's a third line winger, but he has a lot of, uh, he's a good skater, good two-way guy, uh, can do a lot of things to turn over pucks, much like what Pogliarvi did on that line a year ago. And, and I'd like to see Hyman on right wing just to have a look at him too. So that's a possibility. You could also, uh, you know, keep Hyman on left wing, keep Nugent Hopkins on left wing, and and Zach Cassian could slide up. That's that's a possibility. And then the the the, the outrageous thing you could do, and you'll probably hang up on me, but there's always the possibility of running. Wait for it, McDavid, Hyman, and Leon Drysital on one line. And then Nugent is your second line center. Yes. You know what? And everybody will go crazy, but I, I think we're going to see I think it's possible we see something along those lines, at least a little bit, uh, during the coming season. Yeah, like I, I honestly, I, we were talking about it on the show that there's just so many players that are versatile, and you can kind of slide them around. Uh, Drysaddle can play wing or center. Hyman can go on the left or the right. Nuge. Uh, I mean, even Zach Cassian, in a pinch, we think he can probably jump up into the top six as well if, if he gets his game going. He's a streaky guy, but if he gets that game going, he could be up there as well. Um, Ryan McLeod and Derek Ryan, I don't know how that's going to shape up for the third and fourth line centers in year one of the Derek Ryan deal, but that's another thing to watch out for as well. Um, I guess just a uh, last question here for you, and this is one I've thrown at people this whole off season. How confident are you in general manager Ken Holland that he can build a winner from what you've seen so far? I would say that that you always want to want to see what a, a play, what a general manager is going to bring when he's got all the the weaponry that he can possibly bring, and he had a lot of free agent money this year, and. What he brought was a veteran team, a very offensive team. This is, I think people are going to be shocked by how 
uh, how uh, dynamic this team is offensively. And then I think the, the, the goaltending is a little bit of a concern. So I would say, you know, out of a scale of 1 to 10, I'm about a 7. I, I would have, if they had gotten Darcy Kemper out of, uh, out of Arizona, and I think that's what they need. Like, they're, they're going to make mistakes on defense. This is a, a pretty much offense focused defense they're puck movers and they're skating the puck up ice and they're they're successful at it but you know they're, they're also going to have stuff coming the other way you want a great goalie there so i think you know a higher mark would come if they either koskinen ends up being great or they find a goalie say at the deadline but i i i i think they're a playoff team and I also think they're in the window. I'm not saying they're going to win the Stanley Cup, but I, they're in the window to win the Stanley Cup. And with some tweaks at the deadline, uh, I could see them winning a round or two for sure. That would be nice, Al. That would be nice. It'd certainly be a step in the right direction. Thanks a lot for doing this today. Appreciate it. All right. I have one question for you. Shoot. Okay. So it's round three of the playoffs, game six in Edmonton, you're going to the game, they win, and they move on. How late do you come home? Round three, game six. So they're going to the Stanley Cup final. Yes. Um, Jeez, younger Connor, probably <laughs> out till at least three or four. You'd probably go celebrate at a bar, then maybe go grab you know some late-night food, then probably tie one on with the friends. Uh, Connor now, I think I'd probably be home by like you know 12 o'clock, ready to watch an episode of Dateline. Age is a miserable thing, but it does teach you, doesn't it? <laughs> Absolutely. you got to look at the next day. That's the question. How do I want to feel the next day? Uh, how late would you be out? Well, I in, in when they won in 87 or 88, I, it was 3 in the morning and I was walking on somebody's lawn, and I wouldn't do that anymore. So I probably would be, you know, my problem at this age is that I'd fall asleep, but then I'd be up at 3. You know, yeah. <laughs> I, I would have already had some sleep, and that's something you'll deal with when you're a little older. When uh, the the '06 run, I was 19. I just turned 19, and like we we didn't go out to White Ave because we you know we weren't those types of people. But uh, we had a few house parties that went a little late, maybe drank a little more than we should. But it's tough not to. When it when the weather's nice and the Oilers are still playing hockey, I mean you you, you got it. I, I didn't grow up in the '80s. I didn't. I didn't get to experience it. So you got to take advantage of it when you can. Well, also that you didn't know when you were right if they'd get back there again, and that's the <laughs> like that's the thing about the Stanley Cup Final is that you you know there are teams that that I mean I don't mean to pick on Toronto, but you know the people who partied in '67 are gone. You know, <laughs> so that can happen to you if you're a fan of a team or you're you're cheering for a team or observing a team, and that's sort of. Uh, I think why people, Oiler fans, are, are uh, a little bit antsy because they want that feeling and they want to be able to enjoy a long playoff run, and it's been 15 years again. I had one buddy who was born in 1990, and oh, wow. when I, <laughs> he would always tell me, I just want to watch the Oilers in the playoffs from a bar. And he had to wait, I think, like 10 years before it to actually happen. He was, you know, just a little too young in 06. And yeah, yeah, he had to wait a long time to do it. So you're right. Hey, when you make the playoffs, they win a series. You got to celebrate and enjoy it because you don't know when it's going to happen again. Exactly right. It may not happen again. You got to make sure you enjoy yourself. Al, thanks a lot for doing this. Uh, We'll get you on again closer to the start of the season. Thanks for having me on, Connor. 
Great stuff, as always, from Alan Mitchell. He is the host of The Lowdown with Low Tide on TSN 1260. You can tune in Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. until noon. Also give him a follow on Twitter at Low Tide, and make sure to subscribe to The Athletic because that's where he writes. The guy is everywhere, so we really appreciate him hopping on the podcast here today to share his thoughts on the Edmonton Oilers, the draft, free agency, potential lineup news and notes going forward, all sorts of things. We covered it all, and... You know what? As I said in that conversation, I, I kind of felt bad for the Oilers fans that were born maybe 1989 to 1993. Had to wait a long time to go out and have a beer and watch the Oilers. But the good news is going forward, you should have plenty of opportunities. And uh, I hope we all get to go there, go back into society, open things up and have a lot of fun. Because the Oilers, we think, are trending in the right direction. We just got to see if it continues. Of course, the team still making moves in free agency. They signed Brandon Perlini formerly of the Arizona Coyotes, the Chicago Blackhawks, and most recently in the NHL, the Detroit Red Wings. He did spend a year playing in Switzerland, uh, nine goals, seven assists, 16 points in 21 games. Before that, though, like I said, 39 games with the Red Wings, only had a goal and three assists, a couple penalty minutes, was a minus 18 on the season. Someone who's very familiar with the Detroit Red Wings and Perlini that year is Helene St. James. She covers the Detroit Red Wings for the Detroit Free Press, you can give her a follow on Twitter at Helene St. James. Helene, thanks a lot for stopping by. Really appreciate it. Glad to be on. Oh, I appreciate you uh, giving me some time and, and coming on to talk about him. And uh, for the Edmonton Oilers, from what I've seen so far, the fan base, pretty low expectations for Brandon Perlini, a uh, guy who showed some offensive upside with his uh, time with the Coyotes and had an okay year with the Chicago Blackhawks. In Detroit, though, playing in 39 games, only had one goal and three assists. What was your thoughts on him as a player, and uh, what did he bring to the Red Wings? Well, unfortunately, he certainly brought nothing like they had hoped. I mean, Steve Eisenman gave up a pretty good prospect for him, a 6'4 right-shot defenseman in Alec Regula, and uh, this just was not a trade that worked out at all for the Red Wings. And the unfortunate thing is uh, with Polini, I mean, it wasn't for a lack of ice time or opportunity. He played uh, in the top six mix. He played on the power play and just, you know, nothing was happening for him offensively. So they certainly didn't spend much time, you know, deciding not to re-sign him at the end of, at the end of that season. Um, so I don't know, you know, maybe if they put him, I don't know where Edmonton's planning to, to play him. It's a fairly low risk investment, at least, you know, for, for the money he's getting in the term. So, um, you know, obviously at, at one point people thought uh, there were certainly enough scouts that thought, this guy can be something in the NHL, just going by where he was picked. But certainly that was not at all seen in Detroit. Now, after his time in Detroit, uh, he doesn't get an NHL contract. He goes and plays in Switzerland. Was that surprising to you? Did you think another team might take a shot on him based on you know being a former first overall pick and, and the potential that might be there? It wasn't a surprise, actually. I, I just, you know, sometimes would be sitting in the press box at Little Caesars thinking, like, you know, what is this guy doing? I mean, he, he just uh, just the fact he, he went 39 games with one goal, considering, again, the opportunity, it wasn't like they were using him, uh, you know, on the third or fourth lines. And he got power play time and just nothing was happening. So um, I wasn't at all surprised that he ended up playing in Europe, um, you know, nor now, I mean, again, it, it's a low-risk contract, so... If he works out for or the Oilers, great. If not, you know they can stick him in the minors or or whatever. But um, 
But I just think, unfortunately, here's somebody you look back on, and uh, that was, you know, not not a not a pick that was worthy of, of how high he went in that draft in, in 2014. Oh yeah, absolutely. I can't disagree with you on that one. Helene St. James is joining me here. She covers the Detroit Red Wings uh, for the Detroit Free Press. Uh, where, where did he play in the lineup? And he, I mean, you mentioned the the special teams that he was getting. Was it a first unit, second unit type thing? Yeah, you know, the Wings. I mean, they had they've had so many injuries going back uh, several years now. I, think, I know he played with Dylan Larkin some, with, with Kyler Bertuzzi, so this was 2019-20. Uh, first power play unit, you know, I mean, there was, that's the thing. The Wings were desperate for somebody to help them out offensively, and it just nothing, you know, nothing was happening with this guy. Um, so whatever, whatever, you know, he they saw in him when he was playing with, for Chicago and decided that he... It's interesting because they also got... Um, Robbie Fabry, who was also from the 14 draft, and they flipped him for, or they got him from St. Louis for a guy, Jacob Delarose, who the Wings had picked off waivers the previous year, and Fabry's been great, but Perlini just, um, you know, it, it just didn't happen for him in Detroit, um, you know, so maybe playing with, with, with some of Edmonton's forwards will make a difference, uh, we'll see, but... You know, he, he he's not, it's not like you're talking about his first or second year out now. I mean, there's, I think, been given plenty of, of opportunity to show that, that given a chance to gain a foothold in the NHL. Now, I, I know it was a couple of years ago, so if you don't remember that, and I, I mean, I totally understand, but was it a case of, you know, a guy who might have just been a little bit snake-bitten with his opportunities, or was he just not finding uh, or generating those opportunities and getting those chances? I don't think he was snake-bitten. I just don't think... He, you know, he, he was he wasn't getting into scoring positions, and when he somebody passed him the puck, he just wasn't getting the puck through. So I don't. It wasn't like where you go. Oh, you know, he what's going on? You know, why why isn't the puck going in for him? Uh, it was more just you know what what's he at times you wondered you know what's he doing with the puck? I mean, you know, what, what's he doing to generate some chances? Now, uh, my co-host who I work with here in Edmonton on TSN 1260, Jason Strudwick, uh, we talked about the signing today, and he said that this is a guy who's likely going to be in the AHL, and down there he's going to have to kind of force his hand and you know really stand out there because he's coming over on a one-year, two-way deal. He's not a, a draft pick by the team, and you know he's not the youngest guy either. Do you think he has the ability in his game to do that? And you know maybe that is being physical or uh, <laughs> you know being someone who kind of controls the pace out there. Do you think he has it in his game where he can? go kind of steal this show at the AHL level and, and maybe force his way back up to the show? Well, I would just say there that, you know, I think he had a great opportunity when when the Red Wings tried for him to show because, you know, he was given an opportunity to, to show that this was where he belonged and he didn't grab it. Um, you know, so now he's a couple of years older, a year and a half older since he left Detroit. Maybe things have changed. I mean, we know for some guys, it takes a little bit longer than with others to figure out how hard they have to work every single night to make it in the NHL. But, um, you know, I, I just um, I, 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 I think it's just a bit baffling. He, he's a skilled guy. You know, why, why hasn't it translated uh, into better numbers, into a better career for him at the NHL level? Helene, one last question for you, and uh, it's not going to be about Perlini. We can move on from that one. I don't think it's the biggest contract uh, that the Oilers fans are too concerned with. But one player in Detroit who Oilers fans absolutely love, Sam Gagne. How does he fit in with the, the team down in Detroit? 
Oh, you know, he's, I mean, he's, he's great. And from our perspective, the media, he's great to deal with. What a thoughtful, insightful guy, you know. But he's somebody, you know, kind of was, I think, a, a bit of a throw-in in that Andreas has an huge trade in, in 2020. And he only played five, maybe six games that spring before the league shut down. Uh, now has been re-signed twice by Steve Eisenman. I mean, he just brings a really good veteran presence, you know, and can can fit in on the ice well uh, in in any line and brings that right-handed shot and, you know, can can help out on the power play and such. Just a really good role model for all the young players in the room. So I think, or I, I know they, they really, really like him in Detroit. They really like what he brings. And, you know, I could see this one-year deal continuing, you know, past this season so long as he stays healthy and is able to contribute on the ice. But, no, they they really, really like uh, Sam Gagne and, and what he brings in, in every facet, including his character, which is just terrific. That is, uh, that's great to hear. I know he's come on our show a couple times, and uh, I, I totally understand what you're saying. Great with the media, great guy in the room. So we're happy to hear that. Helene, thanks so much for doing this today. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Anytime. Great stuff from Helene St. James. She, of course, covers the Detroit Red Wings for the Detroit Free Press. You can give her a follow on Twitter, at Helene St. James. And maybe not the most ringing endorsement of Perlini, but can't really blame her. I mean, the production wasn't there, and I even asked it, you know, was he snakebitten, was he just having bad luck? And she said no, it wasn't that the case at all. So we'll have to see what happens with Perlini. Like I said with Alan Mitchell, I think that motivation could be a a very big thing with this signing and uh, getting a chance to play with Connor McDavid or Leon Drysettle being on that roster and contribute in that way. We'll see what happens. Uh, crazier things have happened in hockey. Sometimes guys go to Europe and and <laughs> realize that they got to put a little more work to have a successful career in the NHL, and maybe that'll be the case with Perlini. So highly touted coming out of junior. We'll have to wait and see what happens. But that is going to do it for another episode of the Other Connor Podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network. As always, big thank you to our sponsor, DraftKings. If you're going to get into that, do so responsibly. And make sure you use promo code THPN. That's for the Hockey Podcast Network. Code word THPN. Got to thank the fine folks at the Hockey Podcast Network for allowing me to get in on this whole podcast thing. I am Connor Halley. You can give me a follow on Twitter at Connor Halley. We'll be back with a new episode on Friday, continuing to talk all things Edmonton Oilers. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll talk to you then. Thanks for tuning in to the Other Connor Podcast. New shows drop every Tuesday and Friday wherever you get your podcasts from.